Let me go ahead and get you to turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 17 is where we're going to be in our time together this evening. So as you turn there, uh, let me let me ask God for uh, his help again. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, um, we are so grateful to be able to worship you. Uh, you are our Father, our Heavenly Father, our good, good Father. And, um, yeah, we um, get to sing praises to you. We get to hear your word proclaimed this evening. God, we count it all a privilege. And so we ask, Lord, that you would make much of yourself now through the preaching of your word. Um, I pray, God, that you would be heard in our time and that as you are heard from your word, that we would all then obey what it is that you say. And so, God, would you empower me by your spirit to preach your word? And would you hide me behind the cross of Christ? We pray that your word would do the work in all of our hearts this evening. We pray all these things, Lord. Uh, we pray, uh, even thinking about uh, those in our membership, Lord, uh, who um, are ill right now, we pray for healing. Uh, think about Rick, who's under the weather. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would, would heal him. Uh, we pray, yeah, God, once again for Pearl, that you would heal her. Continue to comfort them, Lord, uh, as they grieve the loss of Josh's dad. And uh, we, we pray, God, for... Yeah, Lord, your peace uh, to continue to reign, Lord, in their lives, Lord, um, in our sister Nicole's life, Lord. Um, I thank you for keeping her, sustaining her. We pray that you will continue to encourage her, and keep her, Lord, in perfect peace as her mind is stayed on you. Um, Lord, we pray. Yeah, just for our membership, God, that you would continue to mold and shape us more into the image of your son. We pray, God, that we, will be ha that we would be happy in you, that our joy would be in you this evening. And uh, we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians 5, starting at verse 1 reads as follows, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon, sons, comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the 
Word of God. So in 2006, uh, Lil Wayne and Birdman released an album called Like Father, Like Son. And one of the hit songs on the album was called Stuntin' Like My Daddy. Some of you all probably know or remember uh, the lyrics. I used to listen to Lil Wayne, Birdman, all of them back in the day. Uh, so as some of you all might know, Lil Wayne, a.k.a. Wheezy, uh, called Birdman his father. And Birdman called Lil Wayne his son. Uh, now, the reality is, is that Birdman wasn't actually his dad, uh, but the two had a close relationship like father and son. Uh, the idea here is that Wheezy imitated Birdman, right? So like the album name, like father, like son. Uh, Wheezy strived to be like Birdman uh, in, in all of the different dealings that they did and, and all the different things, as you all probably know, uh, with music and fame, cars, all these different things, right? Growing up, for me, I wanted to be just like my dad. Uh, I remember just a few examples. I remember the, the, the good-smelling cologne he would wear uh, that I would sneak in his room and grab and spray on myself before I went to school. I wanted to, you know, even smell like him. I just thought, you know, he just smelled good with the cologne. Uh, I even remember seeing my dad reading a newspaper and sipping coffee and for me, I used to be like, man, I want to I wanna do just that. I remember, though, uh, tasting coffee when I was young, and I was like, man, this stuff is horrendous. This is nasty <laughs> as a little kid. But now I drink it all the time, right? Love coffee, coffee drinker. But I looked at that, and I was like, man, that's what it means to be a man, right? To see my dad reading the newspaper and sipping coffee. I just looked at that and was like, man, like I want to do that when I grow up. Um, but then even... Even in the way, you know, my dad worked hard. So my dad, um, I mean, he took care of our family. Um, you know, when my mom retired, my mom actually used to be an RN. And she had retired. And uh, my dad was working multiple jobs late night, working at the dye plant, working at McDonald's as a manager, working all these different jobs, providing for his family. And I remember looking at that like, yo, I, I want to be just like my dad. Uh, in the way that he provides for his family and so much more, right? Many other things that I can mention. I just wanted to be just like him. Uh, maybe for some of you here this evening, you wanted to be like your dad too. Um, or maybe you grew up without your dad uh, due to him either passing or not being present in your life. Uh, or maybe your dad wasn't someone you wanted to model after because he didn't live the type of life you thought you could model after. And because of that, I'm, I'm truly sorry if, if that's you uh, this evening. But I believe our passage has something to say to that, whether we wanted to be like our dads when we were growing up or uh, whether we didn't want to be like our dads. Um, but I think our passage reminds us this evening that our earthly dads were imperfect, and sinful, but when you become a Christian, even as we were singing, and even as Nikki was, was mentioning, uh, when you become a Christian, you get a perfect heavenly father who, can, who, who then we seek to imitate our lives after. And so we get a perfect heavenly father who we then get to seek our lives or seek to imitate our lives after. We get a heavenly father forever, right? So whether... Our earthly dads were, uh, yeah, in our lives for a temporary time or whatever the case may be. We get a heavenly father forever. And our heavenly father is who we should be striving to be like. Uh, and we then, as we are Christians and we strive to be like our heavenly father, we get to all join in singing a better version, right, of stunting like my daddy when we're Christians. We get to sing a, a better version of that because we truly do get to stunt like the Heavenly Father. So if you're taking notes this evening, here's the main idea of our passage. It is this, is that Christians imitate God by walking in love, walking in the light, and walking in wisdom. That's the way the passage is broken down. So once again, uh, Christians imitate God by walking in love, walking in the light, and walking in wisdom. And I just got three points as we walk through the passage to help us guide our time. So here they are, point number one. Uh, 
walk in love. We'll see that in verses 1 through 2, and then a couple of sub-points after that. Uh, A, look in love like the Father. B, look in love like the Son. And then under that, um, just three things under that, uh, look in love like the Son, the motivation to love, the model of love, and then the fragrance of love. Then point number two, walk in the light. And that will be in verses 3 through 14. Sub-points under that. A, run from sin, verses 3 through 4. B, remember the consequences of our sin, that's 5 through 6. C, bear fruit of the light, that's verses 7 through 10. And then D, expose the darkness with the light, and that's verses 11 through 14. And then lastly, point number three, walk in wisdom, and that's verses 15 through 17. So A, walk not as unwise but wise, B, Make the best use of time. C, understand the will of the Lord. So three points, walk in love, walk in light, walk in the wisdom of the Lord. So point one, walk in love and look in love like the Father. Look back with me at verse one as it reads. What does it say? It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So in chapter four, Verses 17 through 32, we heard from God's word a couple of weeks ago uh, that we are to put off the old self and put on Christ, right? We are to put off the old self and put on Christ. Paul spells out what the old life looked like and then what the new life in Christ looked like. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians 4, 17 through 32 with Paul spelling that out. And he ends in verse 32 with this. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So when we come to chapter 5, verse 1, Paul is saying, in light of what I just spelled out in chapter 4, 17 through 32, in light of the character of God that we saw here in that passage, that you heard him tease out in that passage, Therefore, do this. Therefore, be imitators of God. I mean, just think about that for a second, family. Uh, if you're a Christian here this evening, um, to, to hear that, that we are to imitate God. That is mind-blowing. To imitate God. God's word is telling us as Christians that we are to imitate him, to be like him. It's a weighty task. I mean, how, how is this even possible? Well, it is possible if you are in Christ. I love how Dr. Marita uh, says on this verse, he, he comments on this, on this verse, he says, Paul paints a glorious picture of the Father in Ephesians, so 1, 3, 17, uh, chapter 3, 14 through 15, chapter 4 and 6, um, 4, verse 6, excuse me. Now he adds that we must take on the Father's character. He then continues to say, in other places, Paul holds up himself as an example, saying, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So 1 Corinthians 11, 1, and then 1 Corinthians 4, 16, Philippians 3, 17, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7, and verse 9. Paul also tells congregations to imitate other congregations. So you see that in 1 Thessalonians 2.14. But only here in Ephesians 5 are we told to imitate God. Only here in Ephesians 5 are we told to imitate God. So the reality of it is we can't imitate God in everything, right, can we? We, we can't imitate him in the sense of he is everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent. We are not, right? Even if we try to be, uh, we are not. Only God is. But we can reflect God's character in some ways as image bearers who have been changed by the gospel. So we saw this in our time in Ephesians 4 a few weeks ago. Listen to Ephesians 4.24. Here's what it says in talking about putting off the old self and the new self, uh, putting on the new self. It says, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, right? So what I was referring to is that this is possible if you are a believer, that if you have trusted God by faith, 
that you are able to reflect God's character in that sense. And so you put on a new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So because this is true, we should then strive to look and love like the Father. We imitate God in character. Therefore, we love like he loves as beloved children. Don't miss that. You see that at the end of verse 1, as beloved children. Did you know this evening? I'm sure you do. If you are a Christian, that you are a beloved child of the God of the universe. That you are a beloved child. That you are deeply loved by the God of the universe. Maybe some of you all just needed to to hear that reminder this evening that you are loved by a big God whose love never ends. Never ends. And that you will never be separated from his love. That's amazing news. That's good news. So then how were you made a child of God? All right, so we're beloved children. If you're a Christian, you are a beloved child. You are deeply loved. How then were you made a child of God? Through his love. Through his love, through God's love, you were made a child of God, a beloved child. We learned earlier in the book of Ephesians that for those who have put their trust in Jesus, they were predestined right, uh, and adopted by God the Father. So we see that in Ephesians 1.5 that we studied many, many months ago. Um, but our loving Heavenly Father adopted you and me, if you're a Christian. He adopted us into this wonderful family called the church, where we get to grow in God's character together daily and then love one another and our neighbors outside of this fellowship. We get to grow in his character daily. We get to grow in our love for him and for one another and for the community, for the world. So we are to look and love like the Father. So how are you doing with that this evening? How are you growing in the Father's character? How's that going for you? Is your life a representation of God or your sinful self? Is your life a representation of God? See, Paul here in Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, imitate God as beloved children. You've been, you've been made a beloved child. Now, as a beloved child, me, you, are to then imitate our heavenly Father. Does your life imitate your heavenly Father. How are you loving your brothers and sisters at CHCC? Right, we're talking about looking and loving like the Father. Are you imitating God by the way you love? How are you loving your brothers and sisters here at CHCC? Do you pray for them regularly? Do you pray for them regularly? Do you, do you check in on one another regularly? Do you seek to help one another in practical ways when needed? What about the community? Are you seeking to love this community well? Do you pray for this community? Do you, yeah, pray for folks who live right beside you, your neighbors? Do you seek to love your neighbors well? pray, yeah, as you hear those questions, that they challenge you, that they challenge me to imitate God in the way that I love you, in the way that I love my family, in the way that I love our next door neighbors, and in the way that I seek to love anyone and everyone that I come in contact with here in Congress Heights. 
in the way that we love blue, right? In the way that we love COH, right? Pastor Larry and others. So I pray that these questions encourage and challenge us to imitate our Heavenly Father in the way that we love. We are to look and love like the Father. May we be known for godly character, family, and godly love like the Father. But not only the Father, verse 2 tells us we should look and love like the Son. We should look and love like the Son. Look back with me at verse 2. Here's what it reads. It says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Paul has encouraged us to walk in love, so we are to, to walk in love. We are to walk this thing out, right? Meaning this should be what your life is patterned after. That your life should be patterned after God's love and after the Son's love. And in order for your life to be patterned after the love of Jesus, you must then imitate him. You must then look and love like Jesus. So think with me briefly on three things. And these were kind of the subpoints under look and love like the sun. One, the motivation to love. Two, the model of love. And then three, the fragrance of love. So one, the motivation to love. Christ loved you and me. Right? As the text says, it says, as Christ loved us. So Christ loves you and me as believers. I think about 1 John 4.19 where the text says, we love because he first loved us. Right? So listen to that again. We love because he first loved us. So our motivation to love comes from him loving us first. So the fact that we even seek to love one another here at CHCC and to love our families, to love our friends, to love other Christians outside of this church, and et cetera, et cetera, our motivation to do that is because he loved us first. So m- may we be reminded of that. May we be challenged about that, to think about, like, man, it's, it's his love that is motivating us in loving. Number two. The model of love. So that's verse 2b. So not only does God's love motivate us to love, but he is the model of love. So I'm, I'm reminded of Romans 5, 8 here. Love this verse. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us, right? Like, that's amazing. That's amazing. God shows his love in the biggest way possible by sending his son to die for us, to die in our place. And we even see in our text is even that, that Jesus died out of the love he had for us. It says that, that he loved us and gave himself up for us, right? And so Jesus died out of the love he has for you, Christian, for me. It's the same picture of love that Paul teases out later that we'll get to uh, at some point in the next week or so. But it's the same picture of love that Paul teases out later in this same chapter, right? It says in verse 25 of Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, only, only two husbands in the room <laughs> at this time. But uh, we are yet again seeing the model here of Christ, of Christ being our model of love as we seek to love our wives sacrificially. I, I, got, I got the sacrificially right now. Amen. Sacrificially. Um, and so may, may we do that, Right? May we seek to love our wives sacrificially uh, as Christ loved the church and he sacrificed his life for her. Number three, the fragrance of love. The fragrance of love. And so we see that at the end of verse two where it says, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
So in the Old Testament, the people of God uh, made sacrifices to God, right? Uh, and if those sacrifices were given from a sincere and wholehearted worshiper, uh, God would then accept it as a pleasing aroma to him, right? They would sacrifice these different animals or just different things, and if it was given from a sincere and uh, wholehearted worshiper, God would then accept it as a pleasing aroma to him. Well, on a, on a grander note, on a better note, Christ's sacrifice on the cross was the perfect sacrifice once and for all, and it was accepted by God as the most pleasing aroma, a fragrance of love. So what it does here is that it, it gave off the best smell of God's glory and grace. Christ's death gave off the best smell, the best aroma of God's glory and grace. And so believers, may we walk in God's love. May our lives be patterned, as we are told here in the text, may our lives be patterned pattern after God's love. May his love be our motivation to love. And may we be reminded of how God showed his love and demonstrated his love by sending his son, his dear son, in love to die so that we might know him and worship him forever. So and not only in his love are we are to walk in but maybe walk in the light. Maybe walk in the light. So point number two, walk in the light. Look back with me at verses three through four as it reads, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So Paul, similarly uh, to chapter 4, verses 17 through 32 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, basically tells believers, basically tells believers then and believers now, that they should run from sin. That they should run, that we should run from sin in verse verses 3 through 4. He says in verse 3 that sexual immorality, and so you think any sexual sin outside of marriage, right, any, any sexual sin, whether, whether in act or in thought, uh, so sexual immorality and then all impurity, that word impurity meaning, you know, so unclean, uh, to, to be impure means you're not pure, so uh, not pure, and then covetousness, uh, meaning greed, right? Coveting someone else's stuff or someone else's life or the things they have. So you greed. So he says that these things shouldn't even be named among those who bear the name of Christ. That's what he says, right? He says, let it not even be named among you. And that is not proper among saints. It's not proper. Another translation says there should not even be a hint of these sins. Shouldn't even be a hint of these things amongst us as believers. Then in verse 4, Paul gets at corrupt speech similar to uh, chapter 4, verse 29 that we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago where it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I said this in the last sermon. I'm going to say it here again tonight. I don't, I don't know what this new thing is in Christianity where folks cuss, right, where they use profanity. I don't know where some folks have gotten that from, but that's not the way of the Bible. Uh, we need to be careful with our speech, right? We need to be careful. I mean, this text here in Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, right? But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I don't know if profanity gives grace to those who hear. And I can use any other example too, just using that as an example. 
So filthy or foolish talk or crude joking are out of place, as it says here in the text, right? It shouldn't be known among us, but instead it should be replaced with thanksgiving. I find that very ironic. I find that very interesting. Think about that. So he talks about, you know, let not corrupt speech be known among you, but instead let thanksgiving be made known among you or be known among you. And so even similar to our, ma- our message last Sunday where we looked at Colossians 3 in talking about thanksgiving, um, Paul is encouraging us to be more thankful, I believe, from the text in our speech. So not corrupting in our talk, not corruptive in our talk, but more thankful in our talk, in our speech. So Paul is encouraging us to be more thankful in our speech versus hateful in our speech. The text says these things that are listed here and and others, right, must not even be named among you, among us, as is proper among saints, and that they are out of place. So this evening, Christians, are you running from sin or are you drowning in sin? Are you being honest with God and with your church family about your sin? Or are you hiding in sin? Just a brief encouragement, reminder, challenge to all of us, right? If we're struggling with sin and hiding in it. For one, we all struggle with sin. Every Christian, every believer struggles with sin sin. None of us is perfect. None of us is perfect. But we are all looking to and trusting in the perfect one, right? Second, if you're a genuine believer, your salvation is secure. Your salvation is secure. But I want to be clear on this. That is not a license to then go sin it up, right? It's not licensed, although your salvation is secure in Christ, you've been forgiven of your sin, you've been cleansed of your sin, you continually go before the Father, repent of sin, and receive cleansing of your sin. Positionally, you are already right with God. Your sins have been forgiven. You, are, you have been granted eternal life now, right, for the believer. So, and even as we've been studying in the book of Ephesians, we see it in two places. We see it in chapter 1 and we see it in chapter 4 that, Uh, For those who know Christ, they've been sealed with the precious Holy Spirit. They've been sealed, right? So, your salvation is secure. It's not a license to go sin. And I'm reminded of Paul, what he says in Romans 6, right, verses 1 through 2. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. But there's something sick and sinful in all of us to make us want to hide in sin when God already knows, when he already sees, he already hears, he already knows. The very sins that our Lord was crucified for, hung on a cross, bled, and died for, these are the very sins that we are trying to hide from God. And that we're trying to hide from one another. So let me encourage all of us, if that's you this evening, to confess your sin to God. To agree with God about your sin. And then guess what? Find freedom in repentance and faith again in Jesus this evening. Confess your sins. Confess your sin to a trusted brother or sister here at CHCC. And then be encouraged by that brother or sister as he or she and you look to Jesus as you then continue to fight against sin. Don't hide your sin. Don't hide in your sin. God already knows. Go before him. He is open arms. He will not cast you away. He loves you. Send his son to die for you. Bring your sin to God. He knows what to do with it. At the same time, 
in light of that, I want to encourage us that we should have a healthy fear before the Lord, right? That as believers, that as we just talked about, that, yeah, our, our, we are in Christ, our sins have been forgiven, uh, yeah, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, all these different things. At the same time, we still should have a healthy fear of the Lord as it relates to our sin. Meaning that sin isn't something we should be flirting with. It's not something we should play around with and mess with. I mean, we see it, we, we saw it in, you know, other passages. I mean, you think about uh, Ananias and Sapphira, right? Like they sinned against God and they died. See that in the Old Testament. You sinned against God and you died. So God doesn't play with our sin. Now, for us as Christians here this evening, yeah, we are in God, we are secure in God, all these different things. He offers us salvation. He offers us, um, you know, a way of escape from sin. It's God's grace in that. But we shouldn't play around with our sin. We shouldn't flirt around with sin. So may we have a healthy fear, right, whether it's us or whether we know of other people in the congregation that are blatantly sinning against God and, yeah, living a life that even we looked at in Ephesians 4 a couple of weeks ago that Paul is like, no, no, no. Like, you've put off the old man and you've put on Christ. Don't continue living in the way of the old man. He tells him, right, we looked at it in Ephesians 4, he says, that is not the way you learned Christ. So for us Christians, that's not the way we've learned Christ. So may we continue to put off the old man, continue to put on Christ daily, and seek to live holy, upright lives, not in our own strength, but in God's strength that he gives us and provides by his spirit. So may that be true of us this evening. But I, I, I can't stress it enough. May we have a healthy fear when it comes to our sin, and may we seek to, yeah. I mean, even we looked at it in Ephesians 4, like your sin grieves God. My sin grieves God. Like God doesn't want us to sin. So whatever that might mean for you, even in the sins we, you know, have just looked at about sexual immorality, impurity, you know, greed, whatever the case may be, like, God doesn't want you to go that route because it grieves him. And guess what? It should grieve you and me. We are wicked, y'all. <laughs> Maybe I'm just alone in that. I'm wicked. We're all wicked, sinful people. And we need God's grace daily. We need the good news daily. And thanks be to God that it is available to us as Christians, that we can tap into that resource daily and receive mercy, right? Receive mercy and receive, yeah, peace and encouragement from God. So some who we even know, right, whether are here or, or, or outside of these doors that we might know, some that are sinning against the Lord, and they don't care. That's a scary place to be in. But God does, and there are consequences. So, continuing on in the text, so remember the consequences of our sin. May we as Christians remember the consequences that, was, that were abiding over our heads before Christ saved us. May we be reminded of that, right? That at one point, we were destined to hell, and that for those who don't know Jesus, that they are destined, that they are on a road to hell unless they trust Jesus and give their sin to Jesus, and he replaces and gives them his salvation, his life. So look with me at verses 5 through 6. It says, for you may be sure of this, that 
everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. They have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So may we be reminded that at one point that was us. That was us. And it's only by sheer mercy that that's not us now. Then for other folks that we know, whether it's family members or it's friends, that's them. That's, that's who, are, who are not in Christ. The scriptures are talking about them. And so we pray, though, that they would be awakened to the good news of the gospel and receive God's mercy. So the, the consequence for their sin is an eternal hell, which they deserve, which we deserve. But God in his mercy sent his son Jesus to die in my place, your place, their place, and that they repent of their sins and trust him by faith. Those consequences can be then lifted. The wrath of God that is abiding over their head will no longer abide over their head. So may, may this do a few things for us. May it cause us to be on our knees more for our family members and for our friends, for our coworkers, for our neighbors who don't know Jesus this is a literal hell that they are headed to where there will be no breaks. There will be no timeouts. They'll be eternally separated from a loving God, a loving Father that we've been singing about and even sing here in this text. They'll be separated from him. May that rock us tonight. May that fuel us, compel us to be on mission, more on mission. I mean, does, does that do that for you? For me? Like, to think about a legitimate hell. Destruction. Jesus talks about where the worm does not die. unquenchable fire. It's scary. That's mind-blowing. May it not be so. We pray of our loved ones and friends and others. May we be on our knees more and may we pray because God can save them. He saved you. He saved me. He can save them. There's no one that's too far away from God that his, his hand can't reach. And so, we, so may we pray and may we share the gospel. May we, I know, I have too, share the gospel, I don't know how many times with certain family members and friends and coworkers and neighbors and whoever you might name, right? Keep sharing. There's power in the gospel, right? Paul says that, Romans 1.16. Power in the gospel unto salvation. So may we believe that and may we seek to share it more and more and more, not trusting in the way we shared it. We're imperfect. Not trusting in, yeah, how many times we share it with that person or whatever the case may be, but just trusting in the God who this gospel is about, who is mighty to save, where there's power in him to say, to break through. So pray, share, and may we 
behold more. Pray, share, and may we as Christians behold it more. May we cherish it more. We need the gospel too, daily. We're sinful. We need to come to God daily, receiving his mercy daily, preaching the gospel to ourselves, not just only for when we think about sin, but when we think about our identity, when we think about how even the gospel speaks to us seeking approval from other people. The gospel says something to that, that you are approved by God, not people. First Thessalonians. Two, it's clear that we have been approved by God, so our aim is not to please men or women. Our aim should be to then please God. Amen? So the gospel speaks to that. The gospel speaks to, to who we are as individuals, to our identities, and the gospel motivates us. Right? We even see that when we were talking about uh, the love of Christ, the gospel motivates us. May the gospel motivate us as we seek to be on mission, as we seek to live our normal lives as Christians. May we be motivated by the gospel, by the love of Christ in all of our dealings by God's grace. So moving forward, next, bear fruit of the light. And that's verses 7 through 10. So look with me back at 7 through 10. It says, Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light excuse me, is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So just four really quick ways from the text in thinking about bearing fruit of the light, four quick things. One, don't be associated with sin. You see that, right? What, don't, therefore, do not become partners with them. So we're talking about uh, what it says, the text above that says, sons of disobedience, right? So, so don't become partners with them. Don't be associated with sin. Don't join in with sinners in sin. Number two. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. There's been an identity shift. You and me were once darkness. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, Paul is like, you were darkness. You were, you were how it looks outside right now, and I was too, dark. But now you are light in the Lord. So you've been given a new identity in the God of light. Number three, walk as, since that's true, walk then as children of light in the things that are good, right, and true. So in all the different things, yeah, that, so walk in the goodness of God, walk in uh, upright life, and walk in the truth. Truth about God and truth about how, yeah, you fit in light of that. So truth about God and truth about yourself in light of God. Walk in that. Walk in the truth, not the lies. Number four, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So discern what is pleasing to the Lord, right? So these are, these are four kind of things from the text that are right there in the text on how to bear fruit of the light. And the last one was discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Discern. Think on. Seek, seek God about what's pleasing to him. And then lastly, expose the darkness with the light. That's verses 11 through 14. So that's, this is lastly in this point. And then we just have one other point. Um, expose the darkness with the light. Look back with me at verses 11 through 14. Here's what it says. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, 
O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So bring your sin to the light, believers and non-believers. There is grace for you in God, as God is light. Just to end this point, hear the grace of God in these verses. 1 John 1, 5-10, it says this. Just, just let these words wash over you this evening and myself. It says, so 1 John 1, 5-10, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Hear the grace of God. Hear the mercy of God, Christian, tonight in 1 John 5, 1 John 1, 5 through 10. And I just want to point out something really, really, really simple here really quick. Well, one, and as we've been thinking about in this text already, but we, we know God is light and that there's no darkness in him, right? He's perfect. He's pure, holy. No darkness in him. But it, I see something here in verse 6. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we say, if I say, if you say we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, we, we lie and do not practice the truth. But then look at verse 7, or listen to verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he, is in the, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I just want to point that out really quick, is that this text is telling us, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is talking to the church. This is talking to the people of God. That if I'm, so example, really briefly, walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So if I'm walking in darkness, this text is telling me, one, that I'm lying and I'm not practicing the truth. And guess what? I don't have fellowship with you. I don't have right fellowship with you. I don't have proper fellowship with you because I'm lying about my sin and I'm not practicing the truth, right? But then it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So that's why I think it's something really important about, yeah, confessing your sin to God and confessing your sin to one another. Scripture teaches this. And so just to, to hit that point again, May we, family, be truthful about our sin with God and with one another. Because as we are truthful with one another, man, we have, felt, we have sweet fellowship with one another. And then guess what? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us all from sin. So walk in the light, and lastly, walk in wisdom. So that's... The last point, number three, walk in wisdom, verses 15 through 17. Look back with me there. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Three brief ways from the text to walk in wisdom. One, walk not as unwise, but wise. We see that in verse 15. So in one sense, as we follow the thread of this passage, as we follow the theme of this passage, right, it's unwise to continue in sin. Just unwise. It's not wise to continue in sin. Paul says to look carefully then how you walk, right? So walk has been a consistent word, thing in our passage this evening. 
That's the way I, you know, you see it broken down in the, in the passage. That's the way it was broken down in my outline because walk, walk, walk is mentioned on several occasions in the text, right? So walk is a consistent word in our passage. So watch how you live. Watch how you walk as one who's walking in holiness. That is the call here, that we are to watch how we walk. Paul tells Timothy in the book of Timothy, watch your life and doctrine. You are to watch your life and your doctrine. So watch how you live and watch what you believe. Make sure that it's both right before God. Amen? But then at the same time, God also grants us wisdom in making big decisions and et cetera, et cetera, right? James 1.5 puts it like this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Some of you all, some who are not here right now, are in the process of making some major life decisions. Big decisions. Life changes. Major. Please consult with God. Please consult with the God of all wisdom, who will generously give you wisdom if you just ask. Right? Don't. Don't make decisions willy-nilly. You have a God who has all wisdom, who will give you wisdom if you just ask. Humble yourself and ask. He knows what's best. Trust him. Number two, make the best use of time. Verse 16. So one thing for sure is this, right, that, Time stops for no one. You and I will die one day. Don't waste your time. Read the Bible. Share the gospel as much as you can. Make disciples. Love your families well. Don't hold grudges. Life is too short. Reconcile with people. Life is too short. Make your life count while you can. Literally, as me and the family were on our way here uh, to the service, we have a neighbor. Uh, his name is Joel. Um, and since we lived in the house we lived in, we've seen him, connected with him, um, and I believe his fiance, girlfriend, Allie. Um, and recently, like maybe what, a couple of months ago or so, we had saw him. We hadn't seen him in a while. Um, but at this time when we saw him, I think we were actually coming to church. <laughs> we were actually coming to church, um, I think, that, that time when we saw him. So he, he walked past us, and his body was frail. He has cancer, and it had did its work in such a quick time. From the last time I saw him to that time, I mean, really, I mean, small, walked into the car. He just looked like he hurt. So I got a chance to... Uh, talked with him and, you know, went to his door, I think like the next day or so, or whenever it was, just to, you know, just to talk to him and Allie and to let him know that we're praying for him and all these different things. Um, you know, we ended up trying to, you know, just love them well in the midst of this. He had recently gone somewhere to get some treatment. And, um, you know, I, I had been texting him over the last couple of weeks you know, last couple of weeks, months, just texting him, like, checking in, like, hey, man, how are you doing? Because I never heard back from him. Never heard back from him. And we're coming to church this evening. Our other neighbor, we're catching up with her about Thanksgiving. And then as they are already at the car, I'm walking to the car. She says, she tells me, she's like, yeah, uh, did you hear about Joel? He died. He died. And that rocked me, man. That rocked me. That hurt me. Just to think about this neighbor, man. And what was also even, yeah, even more sad about it, and I don't know, I pray that the Lord saved him, but even when I talked with him uh, this last time, it was saying, yo, I'll be praying for you. He said, this was his response. He said, um, thanks, but I don't know how much that can do 
or how that can help. And he had other similar responses like that, which I don't know for sure if he was a believer. But we still sought to love him well, and we prayed for him regularly, wrote scriptures in a card to him. And I pray, I pray that at the end of it all, that he'll be around the throne, right? And I pray even, too, as sad as this is, I mean, he's literally here one day, gone. Quick. Quick. Just seen him. Just talk to him. Gone. I pray that the Lord would use this to save Allie if she doesn't know the Lord. That it would even save our other neighbor who was telling me this evening uh, about Joel. But I, I say all this to say, I give this example as we are told in the text to make the best use of our time. Time stops for nobody. The reality of it is, is that you and I will die. And we've already experienced death, right? Particular loved ones that we have, people have died, friends that we know. I mean, literally, one of my friends... Um, so I, I lost a really close friend of mine, really best friend of mine uh, from my hometown in 2015. And uh, that family has experienced so much loss, literally. His mom is gone. His dad is gone. He's gone. His uncle is gone. Both grandparents are gone. And then they just recently lost an aunt over the Thanksgiving break. So loss. People are leaving this earth like that. So may we, as we are still here in the land of the living, for however long we have, may we make the best use of our time. May our time be devoted to the things of God. May our time be devoted to things like this, to even outside of this, right, getting together, fellowshipping. May it be devoted to being out on the block, sharing the gospel, May it be devoted to sharing the gospel with our family members and friends, and et cetera, et cetera. May it be useful. May we not waste it, to use John Piper's language. May we not waste our lives. May we make it count, amen? I want to make my life count for God's glory. So may that be true of you and me. Jesus is soon to return. He's coming back soon. And may we all hear, well done, good and faithful servant. At the end, as a result of making the best use of our time. May we hear that. Lastly, number three, understand the will of the Lord. Verse 17. Seek to know and understand the will of the Lord in his word. You want to know where God's will is for you? You want to know where you can learn more of God's will? It's here. It's in the Bible. It's in his word. So seek his word. Seek his will. Seek the mind of God here in his word that was written for you, for me, to know him and to enjoy him forever. Trust his will. And obey him. Trust his will, his perfect will. Will is perfect. And his plans are perfect for us. And obey him. So as I close, and as the worship team comes back up, walk in love, walk in delight, and walk in wisdom. May that be true of us, family. We pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, yeah, we ask uh, that you would help us, Lord, to do this more and more. I pray that we were encouraged. I pray that we were challenged. I pray that your word would do the work in all of the ways you see fit in all of our hearts, God. Apply your word to our hearts tonight, this week. May we obey you. God, I even just prompted yeah, to pray for, for Allie and pray for Miss Teresa, our neighbors, and uh, Marie and Shane and others who knew Joel. Yeah, man, my heart breaks 
to hear about Joel dying. I pray, God, that you would comfort Allie, comfort our neighbors, and use this to be a platform for your gospel. Only you know how Joel responded. I pray, I hope, that he responded in repentance and faith in his last days. And I pray that we might be able to see Joel around the throne worshiping you when it's all said and done. Help us, Lord, to be compelled, to be on fire, to be burdened with the gospel more and more, to share it, God. Would you, would you help us, Lord? I know sharing the gospel can be awkward at times, can be weird at times. All these different things, Lord, we experience on a daily basis, God. Would you, would you break through and free us from the fear, from the awkwardness, or help us not to worry about the awkwardness, but to be faithful messengers of your gospel and to share it, God. To share it with our friends and family members and coworkers and out on the block, everywhere we get a chance to, God. May we, may we seek to proclaim it often. May we trust you to save as a result of proclaiming that good news. So God, we, we, we pray for that. Help us to walk in love. Help us to walk in the light. Help us to walk in wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.